It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate online resource for racing fans. Welcome along to our festive special part one for Christmas 2019 as we try and identify lots of gravy for our Final Furlong Podcast listeners. I'm Emma Kennedy alongside Betfair's Jess Stafford. Hello. Who last Merry night? Christmas. Merry Christmas. Last night you made your debut in the Final Furlong Podcast Christmas Quiz, but we won't find out what well, we know, but our listeners won't find out for a week how we've done. We're releasing mm. the Answers Podcast on the 28th, so no spoilers. But it was a lot of fun, though. No spoilers. Yeah, no, no spoilers. Um, I'll be interested to know what people think that we all got. Compared well, to what we actually got. We're getting tweets already. So you'll you'll find out. You'll find out on the twenty-eighth. That's when we're gonna release the uh, the answers quiz so that everybody has more time to listen to it. Also part of our final forum podcast quiz, and here to bring her expert knowledge to the table, host of the Bloodstock Show and Sky Sports Racing presenter, Miss Vanessa Ryle. Hello everyone. I'm in a very cheery, festive mood. I had Baileys in my coffee this morning. I had two mulled wines at the end of a dog walk earlier this morning and it's still over 2.30. Nice. Um, I, was, I was going to ask you, is there an alcoholic beverage there? But you've done that for us. And hopefully with a hot brandy in his hand, it's Mr. Rory DeLarge. Prosecco. <gasps> oh, nice. Bubbles. 16 to 1 Pope comes in. Bubbles. By the way, you've tipped, was it, two 40 to 1 winners on the all-weather and a 16 to 1 winner. Uh, no, just the one forty to one winner in the all weather. What was the other price? The other forty to one winner was the um, um, was the Michael Scudamore mare Northern Bull who won at Cheltenham. She was forties in the morning, and when I put when I filed my copy, there were no prices, so it was filed under tick best morning price. So I'll, I'll accept that one. Happy days. Uh, this means Roy Delargy in form, and so no pressure as we look ahead to the racing on Boxing Day and St. Stephen's Day. We're going to include the Welsh National, which is live on Sky Sports Racing, because Roy Delargy is the king of the handicaps, and hopefully he can give us a winner of that. Only the, third of the weekend, though. The feature race, obviously, is the King George 305 and surname. Altior does not run. Boo. Uh, surname is favoured. What can we get on the exchange? Um, we can currently get on exchange of surname 2.78. Right. Lost in translation. Which is around about 7 to 4. Excellent. Lost in translation 15 to 8. Around about 2 to 1, 3.05 on the Betfair exchange currently. Nice. Clandazobo 4 to 1. 
5.8, which is about 5 to 1. Barry Geraghty comes in for the ride on footpad, 8 to 1. Bigger, we've got 11.5, so around about 11 to 1. And then we got the old boy Thistle Crack at 14s. Again, a little bit bigger, we've got about 16.5, which is uh, slightly bigger there on the exchange. Value. Value, if you, if you fancy value. the former winner of the race. Jess, what's your take on this year's King George? Harry Cobden has gone for the up-and-coming star and the highest-rated horse in training. It's her name. No surprise to me. A little bit surprised that Sam Tristan Davis comes in for the ride on Glendisobo and not Bryony Frost. But there's also <laughs> Lost in Translation, this footpad, this thistle crack. This is a cracking renewal. Yeah, it's safe to say this is probably the best King George we've had in recent years. I've, I've, I think that this is... For me, the, the the biggest test, obviously, Altior was uh, the Altior surname clash was was a great spectacle, but it, that wasn't quite right for him. I think surname loss in translation is going to be fascinating. Um, I am I've flip flopped between which one I'm going to go for, but I think it has to be loss in translation. He was really impressive at Haydock uh, on a on a track that configurates slightly like Hempton with sort of the the sharp turn. And obviously, it's a case of the fact that he is a stayer. But I really, I read a lot of Robbie Powers' comments afterwards saying of his high cruising speed and how, how, how well he jumps. And he's not slow. He's got plenty of gears. So I'm not too concerned that this might be too sharp for him. I think that it's lost in translations race for me. And I really like the change in tactics. I think that this is going to be really interesting in play. Um, with surname going to go off uh, strong again and and dictate. And lost in translations going to come back and stalk, stalk him, probably with Candice um in the background there. And it's going to be that last fence where he's probably going to, I, I think he's going to just have enough to edge surname at the line. I would be in agreement with you, but Rory Delargy, where do you currently sit on the King George discussion? And also, in running betting would be something to touch on as well, but your thoughts at the head of the market, surname, lost in translation, last year's winner, Clarendus Obo, footpad, who was deadly and is still only seven, and the old boy Thistlecrack. What's your thoughts, my man? Uh, I think it's a really tough one. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big lost in translation fan. I like him an awful lot. Um, but Suriname does have, um, at this stage, has a class edge. Um, the track at Kempton will suit him. The way this race is going to set up uh, with a small field is going to suit him as well. Um, I, I guess we haven't mentioned the bag of wah. She's not able to go forward. I thought she um, I thought she looked on very good terms with herself for a long way at Huntington, but disappointing in the end um, that she faded um, out of it in the end and was, was, um, was done for second. Um, by a much lower-rated rival, and that was disappointing from her. But she'll she'll obviously want to go forward again. I would have thought, um, but nothing is going to be able to to touch Surnium in front, um, given the way he went um, at Ascot last time, and indeed his last three runs at Ascot um, suggest that he's he's going to be untouchable in, in front for much of the way. The question then is uh, whether they change his tactics slightly. Um, to get him home over the longer trip, um, this is it's an interesting debate about whether the trip is an issue or not. He's obviously never raced at three miles. A lot of people will, t- will tell you that Kempton's a, a sharp three miles and, and doesn't take as much getting as it as it does elsewhere. Um, I I don't really believe that. I think Kempton doesn't take an awful lot of getting until you start getting towards the last fence, and I think from just before the last to the line, it takes a hell of a lot of getting, um, and a lot of horses who who were unproven at three miles, have gone through King George's in the past, 
um, looking likely to win, um, only to not get home. Um, but that only kicks in very late in the day. It's not like horses start fading from the home turn. Um, you're only really drawing on reserves of stamina, um, you know, right at the end of the race. Uh, we've had Edison Blur, of course, win this. He was essentially a, 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 in the latter stages of his career was a, a two-mile five horse, um, and he got home perfectly okay. And Cernium, of course, you know, hasn't looked like stopping at Ascot in his last few starts, and you wouldn't have thought that if those races had been at three miles, he would have been in massive danger. Um, but I'm not a big fan of that argument, I have to say. I think you only find out if a horse really gets three miles when you try him at three miles in, in top-class company. Um, so I think there's a slight question mark about Cernium getting the trip. I don't think it's an enormous one, but it exists. Um, and the question is whether he is going to be, you know, asked just to do exactly what he's done at Ascot before, just just go at that um, really strong pace he can he can maintain over two mile five at Ascot, um, and hope that he gets it um, gets uh, through the race at Kempton doing it. Vautour would have been a really similar horse, um, and he's he cruised through the King George a few years ago, looking absolutely certain to win, but getting done on the line by cue card. Oh. You know, and that, that, you watch that race, it never looks like happening until the no. last fence, does it? But cue card is another example because he looked like he was going to win and then um, Silvignaco Conti did him. Yes, exactly. It's, uh, yeah. it, it sometimes, is sometimes getting, getting the trip is a, is a case of being um, getting attuned to it and being trained to, to, to stay a little bit better. And cue card obviously stayed, stayed better as he got old. He was um, deadly in the Betfair chase. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not absolutely guaranteed. And there is a possibility that... Well, what happens is Cernium tanks through this race. Um, the Bagawa tries to to lay up with him. She went out to her left a little bit um, at Huntington last time. If she starts doing that against Cernium, she'll be in trouble. Uh, and the question, I suppose, is how far Lost in Translation and Clan des Obos sit behind Cernium. I would have thought they'd be stalking each other, really. You know, the, the, uh, um, Lost in Translation came from a fair way back at at, um, at Haydock last time out. They did set a very strong pace there in the conditions. Um, and that was a little bit of experiment. Prior to that, he'd, he'd been fundamentally a front runner, hadn't he? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't see him sitting too far off the pace here. Um, but the the beautiful thing about Haydock was that he he settled really well in behind. So they know that they can ride him whatever way they want. And I think they just look to stalk um, surname. And when I say stalk, I don't mean sitting like you know a length or two behind him, but um, you know with it within eight to ten lengths essentially. Um, he showed you to turn of foot. In fact, when Robbie asked him to quicken at Haydock, I think he surprised him how quickly he picked up. Uh, Robbie said he felt that you know he needed a reminder, but the second he 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 shook the reins at him, the horse picked up too quickly. Um, and some people say he made a mistake at the second last. He didn't make a mistake at the second last at all. He's um, he, he was just heading into the fence in a way that Robbie didn't want him to. And I think he would have taken off on a long stride. I think he would have winged it. If Robbie wanted him to, but he didn't. That's not what he wanted at the time. He wanted him just to pop the fence and challenge late. So we end up. You see Robbie really trying to wrestle him back before the second last to get in short, which is what he did. So the horse did exactly what the jockey asked him to do um, in the uh, in the second instance, and then picked up really well from there. So um, that's really promising in terms of how this race might pan out for Lost in Translation. But he does need to improve again to win this. Um, and I think it's a really tough call. I'd, I'd have to make certainly a marginal favourite. Um, my my inclination is is to back Lost in Translation, um, but you have to you have to get your sums right as well. And I think knowing how the race is going to pan out, if if you stop the race after they've jumped three fences, I think surname is going to be odds on. 
Interesting. You know, and therefore, if you want to buy um, Lost in Translation against them, you, you have to bear in mind that, you know, how is this race going to set up? What's it going to look like after two or three fences? If Sunim just gets gets flowing, as he did, um, then he could be in a, he could look in a very good position. Um, so you don't want to be taking too short um, the other runners against them, or you might want to consider, um, you know, getting involved in running if you fancy a uh, horse against him or indeed backing certainly in now and just looking to get to get out of half your stake after two or three fences the only issue at, at Ascot that is a worry and wasn't picked up at all everyone said he jumped brilliantly at Ascot he landed on top of the first ditch that's true he made a really serious mistake and the, the official race report doesn't mention it at all no one mentions it mm. as if it didn't happen aside from that he was absolutely brilliant and the fact that he was able to to get on an even keel Immediately after that is a very positive sign for him going forward as well. Um, this Kempton should be absolutely um, ideal for him. Um, you do need to be the um, the turn into the back straight is a is a very tricky one for a lot of horses. A lot of horses swing wide there because it is um, it is quite sharp and that will suit Sterling because he reels very well going right-handed and he will cope with that better than most. He could steal a few lengths off them there. And I think he's going to be in a good position. If you're if you're looking to price this this race up, I think you've got to be um, slightly shorter surname than he is at the moment. Um, but as I said, my my inclination is still. I I'm a bit of a Colin Tizard fan, I have to say. Um, We've noticed that, that over the years, Rory. And I tend I, I tend to um, I tend to want to rule in with with Tizard horses um, in races like this, and, and he, ha- he he tends to buy and train the type of horse that I really like. And um, Lost in Translation is very much in that mold, but I need to be wary of myself. I don't want to be automatically plying into a horse here who, you know, doesn't necessarily have the perfect setup. And whether Kempton is the ideal track for Lost in Translation, we don't really know yet. He's, he's obviously handled um, Sandown pretty well last year. He was beaten by Deffy Desoy in the Silly Isles. Richard Johnson reported that day that he did want to lug left at times in the race. And if he, want, if he, starts, if he wants to lug left in this, Again, that has to be a big negative against a horse like Cernium, who was so good right-handed. Uh, so I, I'm I'm not enormously confident betting in this race as it stands. And of course, we haven't really double planned his Oboe's chance. He's a horse who clearly is extremely well suited by the test of the King George as well. He, if you go back and watch last year's race, really good contest, quite attritional, um, a, a few horses on their head early, but Clandis Oboe was especially well suited by the way the race was run. He was always on the bridle. You didn't always notice him because he wasn't doing anything terribly flashy in the race, but he traveled into it really well. And again, this is going to be a very strongly run race despite the smallish field. And he's again going to travel into it. Um, and then, of course, we haven't touched on Thistlecrack, who ran an absolutely huge race to be second last year. Um, and he ran a really big race um, to be second on his return over hurdles. He was nowhere near fit. Uh, Newbury, nowhere near it. Um, and, and the only thing Colin Tizard said after that, he said the owners had pretty much um, nailed him down not to go back over fences with him and to stay hurdling for the for the rest of the season. But he's clearly managed to convince them that he's got a very good chance in this race because he's back over fences straight away. He's also talking him up. He's saying he's working better than anything on his gallops. So yeah. he's been very, very bullish about him. Um, but he's, again, you've got, to, you've got to bear in mind that he, do, he doesn't have that, that many miles on the clock for a horse of his age. He started very late. True. And this is the whole thing about, about um, Colin Tizard wanting to go for the Gold Cup with him as a, um, as a novice. News broken by yours truly. Yes. Although 
kept under embargo for about three weeks so that everyone else broke it beforehand. Um, but yeah, I got to hear that first, which is really exciting. And, um, you know, obviously in, injuries intervene to some degree, um, but he showed the other day that he's nearly as good as ever. Um, you just wonder whether those minor injuries, you know, he's had a couple of couple of tendon issues over the years, whether it just slows him down enough to make him vulnerable in a race like this. But, you know, again, look look at what he did last year and look at the horses he was finishing in front of. If you took um, Clan de Zobo out of last year's race, people would have would have been raving about the performance um, from Thistlecrack. You know, just uh, literally just ignore uh, Clan de Zobo and look at Thistlecrack. Thistlecrack took them apart from a long way from home and then just didn't have the toe of the winner from the last fence. Um, but if you look at where highly rated horses were finishing behind him, you know, that was one of his best ever performances. So it's not impossible that he that he gets involved, heavily involved again. Vanessa, having heard what Rory and Jess have to say, what's your take on the King George? I'm with everyone in terms of, I think we're all on the Lost in Translation boat by the sounds of it. Um, I went down to Collins Yards quite recently and spent the morning down there and saw Lost in Translation up close and just from a sort of physical point of view and from a sort of pedigree side of things, he's only a seven-year-old, but he is a huge horse. I mean, huge. Like, I'm not sure there's bigger horses in training than him. Remarkably, he actually doesn't look it on the television. He doesn't look like a big boat of a thing because he's still quite athletic. But when you stand up to him, I'm nearly six foot and he's like, I'm looking up at his withers. He is huge. And as only a seven-year-old, he was definitely grounds. And we've seen it, obviously, with the step up in trip to say that he's still, I would suggest, not the finished article. You know, they're still putting the final building blocks in place for him. Obviously, he's very nearly there. And his performance at Haydock was incredibly impressive. I don't think they intended Robbie Power to have dropped him that far out, but he, it was just the way he rode him in the end. And obviously, the man is riding like a man possessed at the moment. And Colin Tizardiard is in such great form. Um, but we know he has the speed. You know, it was only it's less than a year ago he was beating a, four, a now Tingle Creek winner over a mile and a half, uh, over two and a half miles. And since he stepped up in trip, he just he just ticks every box for me. For me, you know, he ticks the speed box, he ticks the staying box. He's progressive. He's young. Obviously, look, he's got favourite chances at the top of the betting. It's all pretty obvious. But the one box surname doesn't tick is the staying box, which Lost in Translation does tick. And I know it's not as simple as that, but when the betting is as it is and those top three in the market um, have, you know, very good chances individually, that's the way I've kind of been looking at it. And, yeah, I just Lost in Translation for me. I just think he's the most upwardly progressive horse of this lot and surname has the staying trip to uh, like that question to answer of the others footpad um is potentially you know really makes this is just kind of the fly not the fly in the ointment but he's a the bit of a weird one in this race in the sense that he was brilliant a couple of seasons ago and we were all waxing lyrical about him and then things haven't obviously gone quite right for him in various ways and I'm not entirely sure what the story is throughout, but when we saw him at Thurless on his seasonal reappearance, he did loads wrong that day. Dal Jacobs went over to ride him um, and he did so much wrong and still managed to win the way he did. Now, he obviously has the stay in question mark as well, but that's the horse that kind of, for me, 
I'm really excited to see if he can stay the three miles or, you know, if they're going to, what they'll do with him. And I'm delighted that they're going to run him in this. And it's an interesting jockey booking to have Barry Geraghty in. But again, too many question marks for me around him. And so I still find myself coming back to Lost in Translation. I want to play and I'm quite keen to play the Lost in Translation footpad forecast. Because if you go on to out the races and read the stable tour with Willie Mullins that Kevin Blake did, his point about last year was they had a few problems with him. Obviously, he fell behind St. Calvados early in the season, but he said he was really badly hampered by the fact that he never got genuine soft ground. But he's going to have that. He had it at Thurless, Vanessa, and he'll have it on... Um, How did I say it? Thurless. I went that day. I had a great time. Boom. Honestly, what a place. Oh, it's cracking. It. It's a cracking place. Uh, but he is going to have his proper soft ground. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, we're all voting for Lost in Translation, though, as the win bet. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And I like I like Rory's suggestion, perhaps, like in play, um, especially mm. if he is that those tactics are going to be adopted again. And he sort of is there out the back and Surname is gunning along like he did at Ascot out in front. I just, yeah, it could be, they're going to be very tight on the day. Um, you can't really, can't really put them apart at the top of the market. But yeah, I've, it has to, I'm, it's just lost in translation for me anyway. There's a lot of people will say Surname's the one with the X Factor, but I'd say they both have the X Factor. They're really exciting horses. Uh, maybe not enough love there for Clandis Oboe, but it's Lost in Translation footpad for me with surname to run an honourable race. Cue him going and winning by 97 lengths. In terms of in-play betting, would you take the risk of going 101 and trying to get the best possible price that the machine gives you if, let's say, he brushes through the top of one, Lost in Translation, then you hit and you try and get like 290 in running or something crazy like that? Or do you set a, a specific price that you're looking for, Jess? I think it's, I really would like to see how he's, the, the, if these tactics are going to be adopted again. And I don't, I think he, he jumped very nicely, perfectly well. I think his jumping is getting better and better. I, I wouldn't be thinking that he's going to have an issue during the race. I would suggest waiting and watching, seeing how strong surname goes off. And as Rory mentioned, it might be sort of three or four in uh, where he looks pretty comfortable and loss in translation is, is still sort of stalking or at least like, you know, if he's right at the back, it's there that you just watch the markets and see if he sort of drifts out a little bit. Um, that would be that would be my assessment anyway. Um, I wouldn't say that. I just think that he's he's just getting better and better. And I think the the, the more racing he does, the the better the better he's jumping as well. Yeah. So I wouldn't imagine he's going to have any. I and as as Vanessa said, he's been uh, at Colin Tazars. I'd, I'd imagine they've been routing him up about his work and how he's the best horse they've had since Q Card. So I think he's going to be pretty professional on the day. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a cracking race. It's definitely the feature race of the festive period. 3.05 on St. Stephen's Day or Boxing Day, whichever preference you want to go for. Before that is the Christmas hurdle over two miles. Uh, Nicky Henderson had a massive grin on his face when Fusil Raffles was mentioned to him the other day. Uh, Nico de Boinville will be on him. Nico de Boinville won this race last year on Verdana Blue and then had a face like Dot Cotton licking piss off a nettle after beating uh, Bouvedere. Uh, this horse is now in the ownership of Doreen Tabor, Michael Tabor's wife, and will be partnered by Jeremiah McGrath. Nikki's got Epitant 
who I think is better than he's giving the horse credit for. Uh, we've got Silver Streak, first grade one winner. Um, Silver Streak, sorry, was behind Cornerstone Lad uh, last time out. Uh, Newcastle, Chittabello, Getaway Trump as Paul Nichols broke the news in the final Furlong podcast a few weeks ago that he would be reverting back to hurdles and uh, quick grab him. We'll be having his first run for Fergal O'Brien. So you were there, Vanessa, at Fergal's yard and he was really talking him up as being a, a champion hurdle contender and why not when the division is so weak? Yeah, quite. I think they're delighted to get him, obviously. We know he's a horse that we've spoken about a lot on the podcast for various reasons and we know how talented he is and now he's arrived there and they've got this whole new setup over at Fergal's and the horse is going really well. The day I was in, Paddy Brennan actually rode him and he looks fantastic. They're ticking away with him. This is obviously a starting point, but they're definitely, you know, they're training him as a champion hurdle horse um, in their eyes. I think this might just be a, you know, they'll just see where they're at with him in terms of their yard and Paddy riding him and just see how they get on. Obviously, he's currently, I think, about 14 to 1 chance. Um, he hasn't run for a good while. And so I think it'll be a bit of a sighter for them. In terms of other horses in this, Jesus, it's a poor division, isn't it? It is a really poor division. I mean, when you have a horse like, I don't know, like, Ballyandia eight to one in a grade one two mile hurdle, a champion hurdle race. Ballyandia is currently eight to one. Um, I don't know. It's just it is a terrible division. Nicky Henson obviously has a really good handle on it at the moment. Uh, the price is currently this Fusil Raffles. I know he's got that form behind Fakir last year, um, in front of Fakir last year, and then. Obviously, when he came out this year and won on seasonal reappearance, I think he was meant to do that better than he did. And immediately afterwards, Nico's, uh, Nicky was saying he's not fit, he's not fit. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. he was supposed to be a touch more impressive than he was. So, and beating um, beating Grand Sauncy less than a length isn't isn't totally inspiring form. But anyway, he did win and he will come on for the run, I'm sure. But he's fair short enough. For this, for yeah. me, I'm not as taken with him as some are. I think he's quite a hype horse. Maybe that's a touch. Maybe that's a touch mean. I don't know. There seems to be more hype around him than Epitom, for instance. And they're only, you know, they're only a couple of pounds mm. difference in in on official ratings. Literally. Um, and Epitom made a perfectly nice seasonal reappearance as well. She's obviously had a few... She disappointed last year at Cheltenham. But prior to that, there was a lot of chat about her. And she's proven herself at the course and the distance. I don't know. I just... I'm I'm surprised at the, the chat about Fusil Raffles, I think. And I'm not entirely sure that he deserves to be this strong in the market. I, Rory? I would agree with that. Um, just before we bring in Rory, Epiton would be my selection. I'm very excited about her, and I thought that performance last time out was really, really good. But what price is she currently on the Bedford Exchange, Jess? We don't have the markets up for the, the Christmas hurdle, but she's 4-1 to in the sports book, um, and Fusa Raffles 11-8, to and I agree with everything Vanessa said. I personally, we've got a, we've got her half sister, so I'm a big Epitomp fan, as I mentioned before when true. we uh, reviewed her race. Um, and actually, she beat both. She had both beat the judge and Christopher Wood, but further behind her than Fusa Raffles did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in her race at Newbury last time, as Vanessa said, she's a winner at Kempton. Um, and I think they've always really 
really, really liked her. And yeah, she's just a better value, really. And I, I wondered, think it was I wondered as well if she's not sort of as sexy because she I know it sounds stupid, but she let a good few people down in that Cheltenham run. Yeah, yeah. she was sent off fifteen to eight favourite in the end. And I think there was a lot of hope around her and she bombed out. She had her excuses that day, I'm sure. But I do think people had their fingers burnt a little bit. And she's just, I don't know, she seems like it was, we were all talking about her and then it's just like she's been on the back burner a bit. Yeah, I, th- I think she's just, she seems, she's grown into herself. She's a, a different horse maybe this season and yeah, put a line through Cheltenham and don't necessarily use that against her. I think it was also Nicky's interview after Cheltenham, after Pentland Hills, how much he was talking up Fusel Raffles, that that's why the market's reacting this way. Um, but I, I'll, I'll side with Epitant myself. I'm keen to hear what Rory thinks. Yeah, two votes. So for Epitant, Rory? Uh, well, I'm I'm going to go with Verdana Blue, but I, I agree with the, the comments in general. Um, that um, there's there's not an awful lot between uh, Fusil Raffles and and Epitont, and it's you think the media particularly would learn that when Nicky Henderson tells you one of his horses is some kind of certainty. <laughs> They tend, they tend not to win. Um, and this is, and this is not, not to, uh, not to specifically have a dig at Nicky here, but this, this is a man who's, he's probably the most uh, nervous trainer in the country. He, he's, he's a guy who, um, you know, it's, he, he's not, he's not aloof from the job that he does. He, he gets really involved in the horses. He gets very emotionally involved. He really feels that, and when he really wants a horse to do well, when he's got something very special, he doesn't like talking about it. He's forced to talk about it quite a lot. He doesn't like it because, you know, it, it makes him have to think about it. It makes him more nervous. Um, and so every time I've been to a media day at the uh, the Henderson Yard, he is always happier talking up some, some no-hoper. Um, and everyone laps it up. He will say, oh... Um, you know, when Bob's worth was two years beyond his best, he, he he said he's got a massive chance in the Gold Cup, and everyone saw oh Bob's worth in the Gold Cup, um, and he had um, oh what's his name? Uh, he had a no hoper in the Triumph Hurdle there. If you he had a, well, he had, listen, he had a um, he he had a, he had a decent um, two mile hurdler who was sold expensively to David Pipe. If you remember, you'll you'll know him very well. Yes. Emma. Yes. Um, who, who's now with Sophie Leach. Yes. Um, and he was the, the rank outsider for the champion hurdle, and Nicky tipped him up. Because, <laughs> oh, people are forgetting him. He's got every chance. He finished last. Um, and this is, and it's not like Nicky's deliberately putting people away, but he had, it's a lot easier to feel relaxed and happy and, and um, you know, feeling optimistic about the horses that no one wants to know about um, and that you're not, that you're not concerned about because you're not worrying about them constantly um and therefore I'm, I'm a little bit concerned when he's you know when he's especially sweet on a horse um and people want to talk about it all the time it, it just it, it does worry me and i think also you've got owners who don't mind the horses being talk up, talked up and you've got owners who would rather the good horses weren't talked up yes um and yes. that filters through to, to connections as well so i would i'm not saying that fusel raffles is therefore not very good he's got plenty to prove in terms of, of what he's achieved so far i know his his um his hurdling form last season was was very good he was arguably the best juvenile hurdler around last season um 
you know, he was he was very impressive um, on his uh, his UK debut um, before picking up a minor injury. Um, when he won the Adonis, that was that was a very visually impressive performance. He went on to beat Fakir Duderi at, at uh, Punchestown. Um, and that's probably better run to judge him on than his, his reappearance at Wincanton. Um, but I do feel that, that um, ex-Triumph horses have, have an awful long way to go um, to develop into champion hurdle horses um, than most. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a big gap between being a, um, an outstanding juvenile and being a champion hurdle hope. Look at Peace and Co. in these colours a few years ago. Yeah. And how much was he talked up? Mm. And how good was he as a second season hurdler? With Deffy Desoy. Well, yeah, is that, well, Deffy, Deffy had that. I mean, again, it's, it, it, this, this is a very good example. It's not so much that they're not any good. It's just that that second year is a very hard transition. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, I'm going to get into a subject I know nothing about here. It's about a, a, a pop group with a brilliant first album. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the tricky second the album. tricky second album is always a big, a big issue. And it, it seems that way with juvenile hurdlers all the time. Um, so, uh, so I'm not, I'm not uh, mad about Fusil Raffles yet. I'm perfectly willing to admit that he's probably been putting up the gallops at home, uh, and everything he does there is is impressive. I think you're more likely to find juveniles doing that anyway. Older horses tend to save a little bit for the race course. I think the the youngsters tend to be flashier at home. There's show offs, um, and he might he may well be good enough to win this by half the track. But what he's done on the race course so far is not enough to have him as short as he is. Uh, and as you said, Epiton has done at least as much. Uh, just worth bearing in mind with her, of course, she's had one more opportunity. The fact that she was able to, to come back off her second season um, and run in the, the Jerry Field in the new breed, that gives her an opportunity of posting that big performance, which Fusil Raffles doesn't have. So you, you have to bear that in mind. Mm-hmm. But in saying all that, um, the, the horse with the best form in the race, without the shadow of a doubt, is Verdana Blue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was, there was no fluke about her winning this race last year. If anything, just the opposite, because they didn't really want her to win. You know, and she was she was given her chance to win, but it was definitely a surprise to them. And as I said, yeah, Nico's face going back in was was um, roundly commented on. Um, you know, it was it was meant to be the champion hurdler um, uh, prepping for for his his third. Um, and she was meant to be chasing home at a, a respectable distance. In fairness, for those who, who moan about about the game, she he didn't put the brakes on. He didn't try to strangle her after the last. She was given her chance. He he gave her a couple of reminders after the last hurdle, and she quickened up really well to win. Probably more than was expected because they've always thought that Bouverdere had a very good turn of foot. But I, I, that is not quite the case these days. Whereas she actually does pick up really well at the end of her race. She's not the ideal type for a slog. She does want. Um, she ideally wants good ground. That's that's the issue with her. She was taken out of the champion hurdle last year because of of deep ground on the day, and she wouldn't really want a slog. And that's that's the slight worry about backing her in this race. But she does have the best form in the race, and she's not favourite. Um, and that's something that is a little bit skew whiff to me. Okay, so for Donna Blue, then what price are you looking for, Rory? Well, first of all, don't be betting. There's not much of an anti post market on this anyway, but don't be betting on post. Because there's always a possibility, um, although Jerry McGrath is is um, chalked up to rider, that they decide soft ground is not ideal for a reappearance and take a ride again. So, um, if she lines up, though, you know anything anything bigger than three to one is very fair in a, in a lineup like this. Okay, Jess, did you have something said? Yeah, she's currently 72. I was just wondering, Rory, does it obviously she had a good few runs before she won this race last year? Would it worry that you that she hasn't been seen since May? 
It, yeah, it's a little bit of a worry, but I don't I don't think she takes an awful lot of getting fit. She's not she doesn't have um you know, she she obviously improved last season, but she does have um winning form after a break. Um you know, she um uh, she won on the the, the turn of the flats um, last year, for example, and she she won a half decent race at the first attempt after a, after a longish break, and she she lost her form a little bit in the in the spring of 2018. But yeah, her form after a, after an absence doesn't suggest that she really needs a run, um, and I don't think that will be an issue, especially coming into a Grade One. If you thought she was stuffy, you'd give her a prep. Yeah, and uh, Bogey is very keen on her chances. I, should I was say. just going to say, who whose dog is it? Vanessa's? Is it Rory's? No, it's Bogey. Okay, so Sorry, Bogey. My dog's my dog's fast asleep. To Rex, I'm very tired. Ah, that's oh. the only thing I would say, um, Rory. I definitely take all that on that they wouldn't. You know, why would you run her if she thought she was going to be stuffy in a Grade One? Just. I, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but obviously she went through the ring at Tattersons. And yes. so they were building up selling her at the mayor's sale. And then, um, I, you know, there was a little bit of sort of, you know, no one knew they were running her through the ring. And she ended up being bought by the tables. Um, I suppose they tra- they kept her in training. She was in training up until she went to Tattersalls. Yeah, but she had to go to Tattersalls. That was at the start of December. So she wouldn't have got back to Nikki's till the 6th or whatever it would right, have been. Yeah. And then she will have obviously been trained for 20 days to Boxing Day for this. So I don't know if that's a little bit of a factor with her, just that when you don't know where a horse is going, are you really training it for a grade one countdown? I don't know. I don't that's, know. That's true. But then again, you know, if uh, Nikki will know best in that, in that scenario. Yeah. Michael yeah. Moore isn't the kind of man to Agreed. say, I demand she runs in that race. Yeah. And Agreed. because she's such a useful slayer on the flat, there are decent conditions races for her on the poly track at the moment that she could run and if they needed to get her fit. So that's worth that's hearing true. as well. Yeah. Right, bear with me a second and I will, I will take Bogey elsewhere. Yeah, I was going to say, Bogey really <laughs> is disagreeing He's getting very, with, uh, like her Donna Blue. So. Yeah, and the fact that Vanessa is even daring to question things uh, means that uh, he's, he's defending Rory's honour. Uh, £370,000 for Donna Blue cost at the sales earlier this month for the Tabers. We'll see how she does. It's epiton though, for Jess and I. Uh, Jess, of course, not in any way biased in that selection. <laughs> the Cotto Star Novices Chase in memory of Nigel Clark over three miles is a hugely famous Novices Chase. Uh, Black Op heads the betting for Jonathan Burke and Tom George. We've then got Slate House for the Tizards. Danny Whizbang, Master Tommy Tucker, uh, Jarvis Plate, and a load of other contenders. Uh, Jess, your thoughts on the Cotto Star? Novices Chase. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's an it's an interesting one for me. I'm I was I, I was lucky enough to go and see go down to Paul Nichols and I've seen Master Tommy Tucker in in the flesh and wow he is impressive. I think Paul Nichols has said this is probably the biggest horse he's ever trained. He's huge. Um he's had his problems, he's fragile obviously he was out last year and he had a really pleasing uh, return uh, where he won it at Kempton so he's got the he's got the course form um he had to, the uh, I think it was the second horse that that day he sort of had a didn't 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 jump the the last right so he was able to sort of come away from him but it was pleasing enough after such a long time off the track um he's he's currently at four to one with us um the 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 market's not quite open yet on the exchange and 
Danny Wisbang, also for Paul Nichols, was a really pleasing winner at a in a in quite a, a funny sort of uh, tactical race at Newbury, and it's sort of between either of those Paul Nichols horses. But I'm really excited to see Master Tommy Tucker. I think if Paul Nichols can keep him keep him sound and keep him in this form, he'll be he'll be a really exciting horse, and uh, he's the, he's the one that I'm 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 going to go for. Yeah, I quite like Master Tommy Tucker as well, I have to say. We're in agreement on a few things here, Jess. This this could be either great news or extremely dangerous. Uh, Vanessa, your thoughts on the Cuddle Star? Yeah, funny. Um, great race. I, I, everyone knows I love a novice chase. And as you can tell by the betting, top four and probably, yeah, I mean, the top four in the market are all really exciting horses. Obviously, we're not entirely sure what's going to run yet. But uh, again can see why Slate House has found himself to the to the forefront of the betting, but Black Ops form, um, he's a horse that we've followed on the podcast for a long time now, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. The Tom George, Jonathan Burke team, obviously they're in good order at the moment. I that form that he has at Newbury behind Champ is very good form, obviously. Like we we love everyone a big champ fan. He he he's a work in progress. I know he's an eight-year-old, but he is still a work in progress for me. And now he steps up in trip to the three miles if he if if they decide to run him here. Uh, he's exciting, but I think he's got a couple of question marks. And I'm I don't know. He's disappointed. I, I'm excited to see him here and excited to see if he can ha- hold up that champ form and that if he can progress at the three miles. But he's been given a chance at three miles before and he hasn't put in his best performances. So just sort of watching with interest for Black Op. Master Tommy Tucker, I think that run last time out, his reappearance was very decent. I mean, you can see why they're stepping him up to the three miles. He, he is going to have to settle better to get the three-mile trip. Obviously, if you only watch the last two fences, you think he stayed really well to overturn the second horse after the last. But actually, he's he's pretty keen in the early stages of the race, and he does wear that hood. I know he'd been off the track for a long time, so he might have been the touch gassy. He might settle better, but he is going to have to settle better. Um, but of the two Paul Nichols, Paul Nichols horses, I think I'd go the way of Master Tommy Tucker as well over Danny Wisbang. I just think that, um, yeah, he's kind of the more exciting of the two for me. Um, but it's a kind of watch with interest race, I'm afraid, for me at this stage. Not now it's not. This is three of us all going for the same horse. This is get as much gravy as you possibly can on. Oh, I did also, sorry, I should also tell you, I did um, text Harry Durham and said, um, Master Tommy Tucker, yeah? And he said, good idea. You see, exactly. That's not exactly an endorsement. That's just what Harry does. Also, don't. No, no. I basically was saying to him, him over Danny Wisbang, right? And he was like, yeah, good idea. See, I, I don't like to text our guests and go, hey, do you fancy your horse for this race? I just... Neither do that's I. You're, that's because you're not I. Vanessa Ryle. Yeah, true enough. Neither true do enough I, indeed. but I was looking at this and I thought, um, and, you know, fuck it, why not? I was going to ask... <laughs> Because, you know, Jess is constantly messaging Paul Nichols and saying, Paul, do you fancy this one? Do you fancy that one? No, because she's a professional. Rory, (laughs) your thoughts on the Cotter Star? Um, Yeah, Trappy. There's a... Trappy. I really like like Black Op, but the one thing I've always said about him is, despite the fact that he looks like a big boat, 
Uh, I think he's got a lot of speed, and I think I think he wants dropping back and trip and not stepping up and trip. Um, I'd nearly give him a chance at, uh, at two miles to see how he cooks with it. Um, two and a half is, is um, seems as optimum at this stage. And he clearly should stay three three miles, but the way he won at Stratford, he handled the sharp track really well. He jumps superbly, looked very happy in himself, and his um his defeat uh, by Champ last time I thought was was still again a perfectly good performance. Champ has got a um a remarkable turn of foot um for a horse who stays, and that that race has really run to suit him, not Black Op, um and. I can see why they're stepping him up because he, he, you know, he would have looked a bit short of finishing pace last time. I, I want to see him just go a scorching pace and a shorter trip and get other horses in trouble. To be honest, he's got such a good stride and his jumping was so good, both at Stratford and Newbury. And obviously, his issue in the past has been his jumping has not been good, mm. um, but it's been very good in his last two starts. He's been he's been schooled by Hen Knight. Um, that really seems to have done the trick, um, but this isn't the race I would have run him in. I'm not absolutely sure that he's he's quite as happy going right-handed either. So, I'd I you know, I'd like to see him in a in a high-class, strongly run, uh, two and a quarter, two and a two and a half mile uh, race rather than um, a three-mile race like this. That puts me off him. Um, I'm also a little bit. I mean, Slate House is the one to beat on on the uh, the official figure. He struggled. I thought at Huntington last time out, he ended up winning it well enough in the end, but he had to be niggled at various stages of the race. He didn't look entirely happy. And again, he's he's not, I know it was the best part of three miles at Huntington last time out. Essentially, his class came to the fore in the end, and he hasn't entirely convinced me that he's an out-and-out three-miler either. Um, and my worry with the two Nichols horses is, you know, they are, they're very raw for this kind of test. You know, they they both clearly had had uh, issues of sorts. Danny Wisbang was straight into a, a grade two on his debut. That was a really bad race in Newbury, by the way. Um, you know, it should have been a very good race on paper, and it has been historically. Um, but the favourite for that ran no race. Um, he didn't look happy at all, reserve tank. Um, so the fact that Danny Wisbang has, has beaten him four lengths is potentially misleading. But then again, it was a grade two win on debut, and very few horses do that. Um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I suppose if you force me into a selection, given this field, it would be Master Tommy Tucker. Um, That'll do, Rory. Yeah, because, Leave it at that. That means the four of us are on Master Tommy has. Tucker. That'll do. That'll do. Because this is, you know, if if I if I was training him, I I wouldn't be. I'd be looking race to race. I wouldn't be making yes. plans for two years down the line. I'd be I'd be trying to win decent races now. Um, he's clearly well suited by a right-handed track. Um, he's he's shown he can do it at Kempton. He will improve for the step up and trip, assuming he he settles. Which you know I, I would be confident enough with that um, that he would be fizzy after a, after a break last time out, and he should be better um, on the back of it. So he ends up being my choice in the race, but kind of by default because there's just two or three horses in there that I've in these circumstances I've got black marks against them I'm happy with that can I also just point out that my question to Harry was more like am I going to look you You are like I was checking if they were running him as much as anything like oh, am I going to yeah. look stupid tipping That's, this horse yeah, up yeah, yeah. you are going to run him over the, uh, instead of the other one yeah and he said yeah fine <laughs> yeah that's what you were doing Fair enough. of course of course that's what you were doing Vanessa <sighs> to Ireland 
Um, we're gonna have to. You'll be able to read all about it in Paul Nichols's column. Just, a t- oh. just a slight on Betfair, of course. Did you, did you look at the subtle marketing slash branding just a, there? Just a subtle, but I'm pretty sure he is running to that point. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think it's a race that obviously they, Paul Nichols has um, targeted with top of the game last year, and then he obviously had a. a Good battle with Bagawan and went on and had his excellent win in Cheltenham. So I think he likes his race. And yeah, I, I think you see both of them yeah, line up Danny Wisbag. Named after the um, greatest horse he ever trained, probably the greatest horse we've ever seen. So uh, they definitely want to win that race. Um, we'll switch to Ireland. We're going to combine both these races. There's the two mile one novice chase at Leopardstown. There is the two mile three and a half furlongs, two mile four furlong, really, novice chase at Limerick. The problem is we have no idea. What is going to run where? Who's going to run where? Jess was in Willie Mullins' yard yesterday. He, she asked him plainly, Lorena, have you made a decision? Uh, no. Oh, can I be clear? I did not ask Willie Mullins. I wouldn't ask him. I asked Joe, who's who's part of the who's, who's wonderful there, and she's a she's a friend. I wouldn't dare ask Willie because I know that he makes all his decisions very last minute. But they, she just said, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe they do, and they just don't want anyone to know, and that's fair enough. And they're no, doing the same with Faculty Three. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Frankie Tightlips on the other hand though has come out today and said we ain't saying nothing so <laughs> they have not decided where Fakir Duderi will go and they won't tell anybody until very very late so in the uh, the two mile and the two mile four novice chase we've got multiple entries but basically we will be seeing Sam Crow, Tornado Flyer, Fakir Duderi, uh, Lorena, Royal Rendezvous, Notebook, a whole host of very exciting horses. Carefully selected is entered as well. I'd like to see him over further. Um, Rory, we'll start with you. Of course, the mighty Faheen as well. Uh, Faheen's only got Limerick as an option, so he will definitely be there. What's your thoughts on combining these races together? Who are you excited about seeing? I mean, the, the way that if Faheen is definitely going to go to Limerick, then by default, Lorena has to go for Leopardstown. Uh, I wouldn't be certain of that. Willie Willie has happily run horses in these colours against each other before. Well, that's true. That is indeed true. Yeah. Um, and he's also got uh, he's got Salsaretta in there as well. And you know, I I I gather that um, that Mr. Ritchie even had a second set of silks made up last year. So you never know when his are going to clash as well. Um, yeah, very very hard um, to get heavily involved um not knowing who's lining up for what race um it goes without saying the one the one i'll throw in into the um the mix at limerick in the green mount um and he you know he's got other options as well uh, one has me mentioned the champagne classic and I, I he's a horse i want to keep on side um he's um he, he two runs over fences last season coming late to the game um, in terms of the season, and he was placed both times in, in graded company. The form has worked out uh, for those races as well, and he's won both his starts um, this season. And um, I think uh, beating Discorama um, easily at, uh, at Westwood in a non-novice race last time out is, is decent form. And um, I know it's his second season, and he was once described as the worst horse owned um, uh, by Jiggenstown by by his owner. Um, so he, he tends to go under the radar a little bit, but I'd I'd um, I'd be sweetening him wherever he goes. He probably goes over three miles, in fairness, given um, given his history. Um, but if he did want to, to drop back to, to two and a half at Limerick, I would I certainly wouldn't rule him out. 
Um, I've got um, both uh, Lorena and Fakir Duderith in my uh, tent to follow, so I'd like to see them go uh, their separate ways and both win. Oi, oi. Um, but that's a very selfish way of looking at things. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly... Obviously, it'd be interesting if you if you saw Sam Crow and Fakir Duderith um, uh, race against each other again. I would definitely be with Fakir Duderith. Oh, me too. Uh, it, yeah, because it doesn't it doesn't matter how well you travel between fences um if you if you don't jump them and um i am i'm certainly concerned about sancro's jumping on that on that basis um i know we traded very short in running but i think the fact that jack kennedy was sitting still coming to the second last doesn't mean that he thought he was going to win the race he realized that he had to sit still um because if he asked sample for a big jump he'd have ended up in the deck um and that's that's a different kettle of fish altogether so i still want to be a fact here his jumping is is really good um, and the tougher the races he gets into, I think the better his jumping will 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 be. The more of an asset it will be. Um, so, uh, clearly. Sorry, the dog. The dog. Oh, now your dog is getting. Who would let their dog loose on a podcast? Come on, Vanessa. Sorry, that's so sorry, unprofessional. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was Rex Ryle. Bad dog. Bad dog. My dog's surname isn't Delargy, by the way. Is it not? Dog Bogart. adopted. Yes. Oh. oh, interesting. Our, our oh. cat surnames are, Ke- are Kennedy. We're definitely siding with Fakir Dudery over Sam Crow. Uh, by the sounds of things, Jess, you're in agreement, and Vanessa, yeah, you're in agreement I, as well. Yeah, I think I think it's totally fine. We, we spoke about this after we did the when we did the review pod about yeah. uh, that, and I I just think he was he obviously he did trade very short and running. Sam Crow, he looked like he was traveling better than Fakir Dudery, but I think that Fakir Dudery was make it was probably going to go off and take more lengths out of him after jumping so well there and then the second and then the last he would have done the same and I think he will um, run in the two mile one the the racing post novices chase that's what my I just feel like he might do that I'll probably be wrong but I, that's where I think he'll go and I think Lorena will go there too and I think they'll go up against each other um, and that will leave Sam Crowe against Faheen. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's really exciting. Whatever happens, it's going to have a big impact on the anti-post Cheltenham markets. This is bonkers because I see it going the same way as you, Jess. And I would be oh, siding with... Creepy. <laughs> Again, it's getting creepy, Anna. It kind of is. <laughs> I would be siding with Fakir over Lorena and I would be siding with Faheen over Sam Crowe. Oh, well, nice. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be backing Faheen in a, in a massive hurry. But then again, he might be a reasonable price. I'd like to see what price he's going to be. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the key, really. And I think that um, I think Sam Crow will be an artificially short price because people will be expecting him to go and do the job. But I'm not so sure that he will. Biggest hype horse of all time. Biggest hype horse oh, ever, gosh. Vanessa. As a jumping fan, as a National Hunt fan, back here over a fence, coming down to those fences, the way he takes the one. It's very rare when you watch a horse. Most horses come into a fence and slow down to jump it. He was going faster into them and coming away fast. He was making lengths rather than losing them. And the way he's cat-like in front and so slick behind, his technique, you can't train it, you can't buy it, he just has it. And he's only a four-year-old, but he's electric. And who knows what he'll do in the future. Don't think about that. Just enjoy him for right now because if he does what he did last time, we're in for a treat wherever he goes. But he's, he's pretty much the, the horse I'm... He's the horse I'm most excited about seeing over the festive period. Oh, wow. Full stop, really. Wow. That's a yeah, bold statement to make, considering the star talent that's on show. No, I know. It's just because he's a novice chaser, which is my fi- favourite category ever. 
in just I love novice chasers and he's only a four-year-old and for all the reasons just mentioned I just I I could have watched his round yeah. again and again and again last it time it was it was a joy to behold that I actually there was a point where I paused and rewind live watching watching him jump one of the fences because it was just so breathtaking uh in the Frank Knight juvenile hurdle and we're not going to talk about this because there's no point but JP McManus must be very determined to win the triumph hurdle this season because first of all he bought a wave of the sea who then gets done by Cerberus who he also has now acquired so he obviously desperately wants to add the triumph hurdle to his long list of uh, Cheltenham Festival successes yet again. Um, we'll skip to the 27th. Just a quick mention, actually. Oh, as yes, we, I, yes. there, is a, there is a horse in that race who's been, I don't know if it will necessarily run, but I was speaking to Ross Doyle about it, who who purchased it on behalf of the owners. Echoes and Rain for Willie Mullins has been given an entry, hasn't run yet before. Um, and it's, I mean, pretty punchy going for a grade two as the first, first run. If it does, Ross was saying that he... he he likes to hope that um, he will ri- will line up, um, and I think if it doesn't, then it might be one to worth uh, noting going forward. All right. Um, with only the only only Willie Mullins runner entered so far in the race, so always worth uh, keeping an eye on. Coming over from France, Echoes in Rain for <laughs> Willie Mullins, a daughter of Authorised. Uh, this brings us to the 27th. We're going to talk about this in the other podcast as well, but we wanted Rory's take on it and Jess's and Vanessa's. It is the Welsh Grand National live on Sky Sports Racing on the 27th at 2.50. Rory is the handicap king, but the current market on the Betfair exchange is what for this? Yes. I presume that Kevin Blake's Get advice it. of just beg, borrow, steal and have it all on Elegant Escape has been influencing the market. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, currently 4.6, which is 7 to 2, Elegant Escape. And worth the, like he was pretty short that price last year when he won as well. Um, but, you know, he's he's higher up in the weights this year so it's going to be tough for him I think but now McGinty's below um, at 7.4 which is 13 to 2 Truckers Lodge um, which is my selection is 8 which is 7 to 1 Potter's Corner 11.5 which is 11 around about 11 to 1 mark um, and Sealy Edition 14s and there's I mean there's a good bit of money on this race actually already on the exchange so if, if there are any horses that people want to know prices of I can read them out but um, yeah Elegant Escape is 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 the favourite for you at the moment Okay uh, Yala Enki is very interesting to me having his second start for Paul Nichols having been switched from Venetia Williams, uh, Briony Frost will take the ride, and it seems that there's been quite a bit of support for uh, Yala Enki. Um, Rory, crack open the Welsh Grand National for us. Who wins? Yeah, Yala Enki, just for, for interest, was um, was third in the race last year um, off a mark of 154, so a pound higher. He's had plenty of racing, though, mm, um, yes. the nine year old. Um, and let's, let's be, but however good you think Paul Nichols is as his trainer, um, taking a horse from Venetia Williams at this stage and sending it elsewhere would, would be seen as an act of lunacy given the form that she's in. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what, what you see is what you get with Yala Enke. Um He stays remarkably well for a horse who, who looks like he's going to bolt on the, on the way to the start in most of his races. And, and the more, he was quite... Um, he was quite controlled at Newbury uh, when they ran him in the, the Labrooks Trophy, and that's obviously a sign that he wasn't fit because when he is when he's fit, he he gets in a muck sweat, and um, he looks like 
they're going to have to withdraw him the way he the way he um, he goes to post. Um, but he always runs his best race under those conditions. So keep an eye on him beforehand. Um, not for me in this. Um, I, I I think this is not straightforward. But I think um, there's there's a, a a point I make on a regular basis here that the very very best handicappers are. Um, uh, are well treated by the system. Horses who are running in Grid One, Grid Two races um, are are frequently underrated by the handicapper, um, especially horses winning those races. Um, I would have loved it if Colin Tizard had decided to run all his horses in this race, uh, mm-hmm. because with Native if Native River had run this, uh, it would have increased Elegant Escape's chances of winning. Um, but you would have had that a very very interesting battle. Nid, Nid of River, uh, you know, obviously he ground them into submission at uh, at the entry in his return. He's well suited by by blinkers, and having him in this race would have been something spectacular. Um, we're missing that obviously, but Elgin Escape's chances is, is very obvious. One sixty is is a really really fair mark, especially um, at this kind of trip. We know he stays very well. Um, Having having won this last year, uh, worth bearing in mind the race is longer now than it was last season. Hmm. They're starting it further up the um, the home straight because uh, one historic issue um, with the Welsh National, as, as Emmett you'll remember, because my m- massive maximum bet on Milan's Bar went astray here a couple of years ago when he couldn't when he couldn't get to the front from a, a standing start, uh, and then he turned out a week later and bolted up um, in a similar race at Warwick. Um, there's always been an issue with horses piling into the first bend. The, the bottom bend is, it, it's sort of, it's an adverse camber. It's also near where the um, where the horse boxes are and and uh, where the stables are, and, and and horses have a tendency to sort of cock the jaw there as well. And if they're all piling into that bend right at the start of a race, it can be absolute carnage. Um, so they've taken the, uh, the 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 directors have taken the um, the advice of trainers and decided to move. The start back, so they're jumping an extra fence, and they're racing over an extra uh, furlong and a half, uh, and that will it won't make a it won't make a big difference in terms of what stamina you need, um, because you know, you're heading downhill into that into that home bend. Uh, it just helps them sort themselves out. Uh, if anything, it might actually make it a bit easier to get home because you don't have that crazy charge in the early stages, which can often make this a um, a war of attrition. So it should be more reasonable now. It takes it takes the one element of doubt out of the race, and it should suit the class horses. So um, I would not be putting you off elegant escape. Just look at look at the way that Labrooks Trophy panned out. He looked like he was going to finish tenth or twelfth yeah. for much of the way. Um, he, he's a sloppy jumper. You know, he's not he's not a bad jumper, but he you know he just he makes little scruffy mistakes and he makes lots of them, and they tend to put him in a bad position in his races. Um, and then he has tremendous stamina. Um, and just look at the way he's finished in his two starts this season. You get to know what Elegant Escape is all about. He's all about stamina. Um, and he's still only seven. So he's clearly the horse to beat. He's better than his handicap mark as well, because, as I said, the system tends to um, be kind to grade one horses. Um, and lesser horses keep going up in the handicap for winning races against lesser horses um, to the extent that they end up creeping up the handicap as a rule, uh, whereas the best horses stay on a sort of fixed mark. Um, that will help Elegant Escape, as I said. Um, and he's the one to beat. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. I don't like just piling into to shorties. 
Um, so I'm going to try to find an each way alternative. Um, now McGinn is a horse I would have put up for this um, Andy Post. Um, he's well found now. He's you know his horse I put up as a, a horse to follow last season on another podcast, um, and he did he did respectably. Um, his form from last season has worked out pretty well. Um, and he didn't really get the credit he deserved for really putting it up to Santini at Sandown. All anyone would talk about was how bad Santini was. Yeah. But um, now McGinty and Santini came 30 less clear of the Bet365 chase winner in third. And the form is all right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you thought Santini was going to win a Gold Cup, you'd have been disappointed with his performance on the day. But taken, uh, you know, as a, a race in its own right, a listed contest over three miles, it was a good performance from the front too. And now McGinty kept coming back at Santini. He will stay all day. This is a race I've I've had in mind for him for for about eighteen months, um, and he deserves to be, um, you know, towards the head of the market as well. Uh, in saying that, again, the front two are now well found, and I'm not going to tell you what's blindingly obvious. So looking for something at a bigger price. That, listen, West Approach will run well as well um, towards the head of the weights. If, if Colin lets him take his chance, he is a, a monkey, but he's not he's not ungenuine as such. He's got one run. He just needs to be, um, he, he needs a race to fall into his lap a little bit. And sometimes a race like this can do this. So whoever rides him on the day, they just got to creep, creep, creep into the race and basically ask him for an effort between the last two fences. Um, and that gives him the, the maximum chance of, of winning. Um, and although he's maybe not the strongest stayer in the world at this trip, you know, he did come good over two miles, three and a half at, at Cheltenham. Um, and it's just a case of holding him out for one run. The run in it, although the, the test at Chepstow tends to be stiff enough, the um, the run from home itself is not ridiculously um, draining and it could suit him. But I'm going to put up something else as the each way selection. What price do we have on Prime Venture? Uh, currently, gosh, twenty twenty six on Betfair Exchange. That's so twenty five to one. Yeah, if you, if you get anything like twenty five to one fixed odds, this is this is going to be a really good each way bet because you're going to get you're probably going to get extra places on the day, maybe a fifth, first five. Someone might step out of line with that as well, but uh, um, Betfair sort of standard place terms in the day will go fifth, first five. Yeah. Uh, I'd also I'll give you a little tip on um, on hunting each way with um, um, with the sports book as well. Um, but just touching on, on um, Prime Ventures' form, he was, he's got a good record here, obviously he's trained by Evan Williams, so he, uh, you know, he's got um, solid form um, at uh, Chef. So he was second in the trial for this last year behind Ramsey's Detaille, that's very solid form. Oh. He was placed in the, um, the Midlands National uh, at the end of the season at Utoxeter. Um, and despite the fact that he's still only an eight-year-old, he's lower in the weights now. He's had two runs on good ground um, since then, which is, does not play to his strength. He was well beaten in the um, the Bet365 Gold Cup, and he was he ran pretty well, actually, um, in a beginner's chase um, at the end of October. So it gives you an idea of, of his experience over fences, that he's still eligible for beginner's chases. I think there's more to come from him. A 135 is a fair mark. Um, he relishes heavy ground, and he stays really well. Um, and I think... Um, with 10 stone one, he will be uh, running on better than most of these. And I think he's got a very good chance of hitting the frame. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest that, you know, that if everything pans out for the favourite, he'd be good enough to beat Elegant Escape. But Elegant Escape, you know, a few scruffy jumps or just one scruffy jump at the last um, where the race is in the balance could make all the difference here. So Prime Venture each way. 
Um, the little tip in terms of betting on the uh, on the sportsbook of Betfair, you've got um, you've got the extra edge where you can increase your number of places and decrease the odds. Everyone uses that wrong. You should always decrease your number of places and increase the odds. Ah. To have a horse that's maybe trading 50 on, on the exchange, who would be like a you know, maybe a 28 to 1, 33 to 1 shot uh, maximum um, on the sports book. If you, want to, if you want to back at three places, rather than asking for an extra place, ask for two less places and you'll find that your win odds go up from 25 to 1 to about to 40 or 50 uh, maybe bigger even in certain circumstances and you'll still be getting a fairly fair place price and a lot of people you know they want to get the maximum number of places for their money and i think what you what you really want want to get is a fair bet and i would rather get 20 points bigger on a win bet with a reasonable chance of still getting a place out of it than just get lots of places and a, and a small win dividend. Me too. Me too. I do that. I do that on a regular basis. I think it's a really good thing. And yet everyone who uses it seems to do it the opposite way around. Now, we're sponsored by the Betfair Exchange, yeah. but that's a free plug for the Betfair Sportsbook. Betfair, yeah. So I just dropped out there, but I assume that's the each way edge. Yes. Um, yeah, option. Yeah, yeah. I know. I t- totally agree with you, Rory. It's such a. It's a great. I think people are see it as a way to um, make you know obviously the options bigger, but actually to your point, it just enhances the price. Um, so I yeah, this uh, race like this is not available. Won't be available now. But once we've got final decks, it will be um, on the sportsbook. Yeah, and if the standard terms are, and I, I imagine that we don't know how many runners are going to be, there's a very good chance the standard terms today will be a fifth first five. Yes. Yes. Um, and that means you could reduce, and I'd say getting getting three places on this is fair yes. enough if you're convinced you're going to get a good run. Um, and reducing your your places by two is going to boost your um, your win odds markedly. Uh, and indeed, you're you, you know you're still getting bigger odds in the face part of that as well. You're just getting less places and. I say be less risk-averse. Uh, clearly, Rex agrees, and we'll be sending you that invoice there as well, uh, Jess, for that free sports uh, Vanessa, your thoughts on the Welsh National? Um, kind of concur what Rory has said about Elegant Escape. Love a sort of grade one horse in a race like this. Um, guess... You know, they were saying when we were down there, Col- um, Joe Tizard was saying that, you know, what he, where he lacks in a grade one chase is that sort of need for speed at two thirds of the way through the race. If things start to quicken up, he just sort of loses his pitch a little bit and then his jumping goes to shit as a result. Um, obviously, he didn't actually use that term, but I'm sort of, you know, that's you're paraphrasing, telling, that's you're telling us what he really thought. And no, no, and uh, no, it's my assessment. And he basically, oh no, the dog is really not happy today. Um, anyway, basically, he's he's only a little horse, and he's going to have to lug this pretty big weight around. I know he's proven himself here before. Uh, I hope that if they could get his jumping up to scratch, he'll end up being a national horse this coming nas- Grand National. But I'm worried that this might just be. In, I, I, I'm worried for him under such a heavy weight, basically. And as a result, if I had to have a bet in the race, I'd go with Trucker's Lodge. I know he's far from the class horse in the race compared to a horse like Elegant Escape. I think Paul Nichols' team have had this on his agenda since right back when they 
put him in a chase at the back end of last season, having been running over hurdles. Mm. They ran him once over fences, which wasn't exactly a Paul Nichols thing to do. They then gave him the summer off and they've given him two runs at Chepstow since. On debut, disappointed, but that was when a lot of horses were flopping to the Paul Nichols yard and he definitely came on leaps and bounds for that run next time out when I really think he wasn't giving, I don't think he was giving anywhere near 100% when he won um, at the track. And yes, he's got to step up in trip and yes, he's got to step up, but he's carrying a, what is a featherweight of 10-5 Lorcan mm. Williams, I think, will ride claiming three off him. Mm. Yeah. And I think Paul and the team have probably had this on the agenda, like I say, I love a plan. And he's the one that sort of caught my eye, essentially. Okay. And Jess, your selection? Yeah. I actually, I 100% agree with with Vanessa. I said the exact same thing. I, I, he likes Chepstow. He's had three wins at the track. He jumps really well. And I, I, I rewatched his win last time and it was really, it was, Really, really sound uh, round of jumping. I think he'll really relish this trip. Um, I'll, I'll just repeat what Vanessa said. He's got Lorcan Williams has already jocked up. Um, he'll take off that extra three, um, and he's he's around about an eight to eight to one chance. I was interested to see. Well, there's been a bit of money for Potter's corner, um, and just looking back at what he's done to see whether that's whether that's sort of uh, you know justified and I just feel like uh, his jumping is a big question mark for me he's obviously got a lot of talent um he was had a really desperate win last time out and where they took off the cheap pieces he's back over that was over hurdles and now he's returning back over fences um so there's question marks about his jumping but he has been really popular in the market uh so I'll be interested to see how he runs but Trucker's Lodge uh, will be my selection okay. as well Trucker's Lodge 12s into 13 to 2 16s into 7s for Potter's Corner elegant escape for me there was 16 to 1 available mm. at one point not so long ago my god really yeah yeah there was even 8 to 1 available not that long ago jeez that makes me feel sick anyway um beg borrow steel as Kevin Blake said and get the trucker boxes and put it all in elegant escape who then gets duffed on the line by Rory's selection prime venture uh, best bets for the festive period who will I go to first Jess Stafford well, well from the selections that we've all gone through or outside because there's a lot of like a list length of my arm okay you can with go- the horses that we haven't even mentioned you, give, um, give us something you haven't mentioned and give us something that give so- us the one you're strongest about Something I haven't mentioned. I I was there when Fanny and Destraval won at Newbury. Be really excited to see him if he runs in the Wayward Lad Novice Chase um, for Venetia Williams. Um, I th- I think uh, that will be a. He's it seems like an exciting horse for the future. Um, from what I've mentioned, I'm going to put my colours to the mask with. Epitant, um, I think that she's, as we've discussed, really interestingly, she's sort of the second horse, second string for Nikki Henderson in that race, um, or even the third string, and she'll be a, a better price. Um, and um, I will be very excited to see if I could do some similar as Vanessa was saying as well, but um, probably won't be having a bet, just loving, just going to love watching him yeah, he, run that, this that, week. That's a race we can just sit back and, and watch really, yeah. but if he turns out to be a price, then happy days. If Lorena makes the market for us, uh, Vanessa, your best bet of the festive period. Uh, best bet, really unoriginal, but lost in translation in the King George. All right, Rory. Uh, I will um, stick with my own advice and say back Prime Venture each way, three places, 
Oh, using the extra edge on the morning of the race for the Welsh National. Fair and play. Hopefully you'll, get, hopefully you'll get 33s or 40s Rory is in the wind market. going for it. He's going for it. I will put up Epiton in the Christmas hurdle. Uh, Kempton as my best bet. That's it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We've got part two of our festive preview to come, and uh, that will be available on At The Races and Apple Podcasts and all podcast apps very, very soon. But from Rory Delargy. Good night. Jess Tafford. Merry Christmas. More importantly, Merry Jess Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank Vanessa you. Ryle. See you all later. It's been fun. And from me, Emma Kennedy, happy Christmas. Hopefully, there's plenty of gravy on the way. We'll talk to you soon on the Final Forum Podcast. God bless. Get 2% commission on your winnings on the Betfair Exchange with My Betfair Rewards. Opt in now to start saving. My Betfair Rewards allows customers to choose their commission rate and rewards. 2% commission via basic package, which can be altered at any time. T's and C's apply. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.